All right, we're in First Timothy chapter 5. Sure is good to see everyone out. I know our crowd is down. I expected that. Uh, a lot of people are traveling, a lot of things going on, and uh, that, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Thankful to have a warm building to come to. That sure is a blessing. Tell you a funny story. I woke up about 5 o'clock yesterday morning, and I was laying in the bed wishing I could have slept in. I can't do that for some reason, whatever, and so I just got sitting there thinking about, you know, got a lot of blessings, and I began to pray, and I thank God for a warm house, and I'm thankful that I had electricity, and I promise you, I'd much more guided out of my mind than my electricity went off, <laughs> it stayed out for 30 minutes, and I thought, well, I don't know if that got up there or not, but uh, anyways, it worked out, they only did that for 30 minutes, and turned it back on, and did it a little later, but uh, last week, we talked about verse 17 and 18. Now I want to get us back on track to know where we are. We talked about let the elders who rule well, uh, they're worthy of double honor. He says you don't muzzle the mouth of the ox while he treads out the corn. Uh, the laborer is worthy of his hire. And we talked about the fact that uh, the congregation has to be the ones that decides whether or not an eldership rules well. And we talked about all the things that constitutes a good leader. Um, we talked about several different biblical examples, but here's what I want us to keep in our mind. Elderships that are good elderships, leaderships that are good leaderships, they are worthy of our respect. And we talked about the double honor is they are worthy most certainly of our respect, but they're also worthy of receiving payment for the church if they live their life as a full-time elder. And they need that if they rule well. So keep that on your mind. An eldership is worthy of of respect. And that brings us to verse, uh, let's see, verse 19. And as we keep that same thought in our mind, he says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except for two or three, except from two or three witnesses. All right, an eldership that rules well is worthy of our respect. They're worthy of our respect. And he tells him, he says, don't receive an accusation against that same eldership, except you've got some evidence to back it up. God wrote this in Scripture to protect the eldership. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think that people that are more in leadership roles, do they get accused of more than other people? Yeah. Is that always true? I mean, do, do they always do the things that they're accused of? No. You see, a lot of times when you are in a leadership position, not a lot of times, I'm going to tell you something, it's all the time. If you're a preacher, if you're an elder, if you're whatever it is that you are, you are always under a microscope. If you've never been in one of those positions, try it out a little while and you'll find out you're always under a microscope. And there are always going to be people that try to, to pick your life apart and there's always going to be somebody, and I'm not trying to be negative, but it's true. I promise you it's true. I asked my wife. She's been a preacher's kid her whole life, and now she's married to a preacher, and she said she'd never have any part of that. She stuck with me. So, uh, but she's always been under a microscope. And I'm under a microscope, and I know that. Our six elders, they are under a microscope. And, and what happens sometimes when you've got somebody in a position, and maybe somebody decides there's something about you they don't like? Maybe you say something to upset them, Maybe you just do something and, and, 
and they just hold a grudge against you, sometimes what happens? People start throwing out accusations, right? People start trying to attack. They start trying to, to say something that's, that's not true. And, and Paul is telling Timothy, he says, hey, listen, don't you receive an accusation except it's got backing, except it can be proven. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. You see, accusation is the word here in the Greek that it's going to be a public charge. It's going to be the same word that was used, I believe it's John chapter 18, verse 29, where the pilot went before the people and he says, what accusation do you make against Jesus? In essence, he was saying, what public charge do you bring against him? You see, it wasn't enough for the people just to maybe some rumors or whatever and all of that. He said, what kind of, this has got to be a real deal thing. If you're going to bring something that's real against an elder, you've got to have some backing. Don't you think it's wise that God would, would put this in place? Is he saying we are never allowed to disagree with an eldership? Well, absolutely not. I mean, it's okay. You guys don't whip me, you six guys. It's okay to disagree with an eldership, and they can tell you a lot of people's disagreed with them through the years. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing. There's nothing wrong with going to them and talking to them, saying, you made this decision, you know, my, I feel this, whatever. That's okay. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you're going to bring a public charge, if you're going to try to maybe remove somebody from the office of an eldership, if you're going to try to, to maybe shame them, whatever it is, you better have some backing. He says because that is a, a very, very serious thing. What God is trying to do, again, is protect that eldership. He's trying to squash the gossip and all the things that goes on that tries to tear people down. Listen, I, I, I've got friends. I've got friends in years gone by that have been accused of things, horrible things that they did not do. Thinking of a man right now, he was accused of a horrible thing and he was dragged through the mud and it was public and all of these things and it come to find out he didn't do any of it. But you know what? Once people have done that and they've drug it all through the mud and everything, what happens? Even if they're innocent, what happens? In the court of public opinion, everybody still talks about it, don't they? And God wants us to, to not allow that to happen because God loves an eldership. God respects an eldership, and an eldership that rules well should be worthy of our respect as people. Timothy was in a special position. He was charged to uh, you know, appoint elderships and to make sure these elderships remain pure and and we don't have the qualifications Timothy had. We don't have any kind of supernatural help from God. And, and, and Paul's not laid our hands on us to enable us to do a lot of things. But God puts us all together to, in essence, do the same things. So you see, he has charged us with these responsibilities. And he says, don't receive an accusation except you've got some backing. I'm going to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 19. And I want to read this for you. Deuteronomy 19, verse 15. God said this because there were laws put in place under the old law to protect this very thing. Verse 15 says, One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any inquiry or any sin that he commits. One witness. Why? Why? Sometimes people dream stuff up themselves. Yeah. What's God trying to protect here? False accusations. 
He says, one witness cannot do this. He says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. He says, if you're going to accuse somebody of something, you're going to make all these accusations, he says, you better have some backing. He says, don't do this uh, irresponsibly. He says, if a false witness rises against any man to testify against him of wrongdoing, he says, then both men in the controversy shall stand before the Lord before the priests and the judges who serve in those days. And the judges shall make careful inquiry, and indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. I mean, if somebody brings a false accusation here down the old law and says, hey, this person has done this, they should be stoned, and they're making a false accusation, you know what God's saying? If that's what they wanted done to them and they're bringing that falsely, then in essence, you take them out and stone them because they have made false accusations. He says, you shall do to him as he thought to do to his brother, so you shall put away the evil from among you, and those who remain shall hear and fear, and hereafter they shall not again commit such evil among you. Your eyes shall not pity, life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for foot, or hand for hand and foot for foot. So God is, takes very serious false accusations. And he most certainly does so against an eldership because they are to be held uh, with respect and honor. All right, so he says don't do that unless you can back it up. All right, but is it possible that an accusation could be brought? And it can be true. Is an eldership above sin? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Therefore, to him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he what? Fall. There's not a person alive that's above sin. In fact, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and Timothy is in Ephesus, and Paul had already told what about the Ephesian elders? There's going to be some uh, rise amongst you, and, and they're going to be like wolves. They're going to teach things that are not right. They're going to draw away people. They're going to cause all kinds of problems. So Paul had already said from Ephesus, from that particular eldership, there were going to be people that were going to sin. Well, God's not just protecting the eldership and says no matter you know, what you throw at them, it won't stick. He's not saying that at all. He says if you're going to throw something, you better have some backing. Don't throw it out haphazardly. He says, but... Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. I want us to notice something. Notice the, the phrase, those that are sinning. I underline in my Bible, I-N-G. This is a sustained activity. This is not something that an elder made a mistake and he said he was sorry about the mistake and he repented and he moved on. That's not the people that he's talking about. Because if God is going to hold an eldership to the fact that they cannot commit a sin, who's going to be an elder? Nobody, right? We won't have any. He's talking about sustained activity that, that has not been repented of. Is it possible that uh, a church can have an elder that would do that very thing? Absolutely. He says, and if that be the case, he says, you've got to rebuke that person. You've got to expose that person. If you know something against an elder, he says, and, 
and there is backing, there's other witnesses to say this very thing is true. He says, don't allow that to go on. He says, you've got to correct that behavior. And he's talking to Timothy. Okay, Timothy was supposed to do that. What about us? Are we not held to the same responsibility? Let's just say, uh, for what we're studying, sake, one of our elders gets out of line. And I mean, they start just going the other way and they're doing things contrary to Scripture, living in open rebellion. They will not repent. Whose job is it to take care of that? Well, that's the other elders to take care of that. Hey, well, yes, they'd be part of that, but isn't it all of our jobs to do that? Yeah. Why would God concern himself with that? Well, if you've got an elder, his job is to shepherd the flock, right? He's to lead the flock. He's to concern himself with our souls. He's going to give account for all of those things. If a leader is allowed to walk in open rebellion, do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and we're to look up to those leaders as our shepherds, what does that tell us? We can follow suit, right? It's okay for them to do it. Nothing's being done about it. And, and you know, then it's okay for me to do it too. Oh, God understands that. He says, you rebuke them in front of everybody. This is a public thing. This is discipline that is taking place. And, you know, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, you go tell him you fought between thee and he alone. And if he hears you, you gain your brother. If he won't hear, verse 16, you take a couple witnesses. You establish everything. If he still won't hear you, verse 17, what do you do? Take it before the church. What's the purpose in that? Well, look at the purpose here in, in what this is. He says, those that are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. Didn't we just read something about that in Deuteronomy chapter 19? Didn't God say that under the law of Moses that people bring false accusations and, and you know, and if it found, it's found to be false, then you do to them whatever it was they were wanting to do to the person? And he told that for a very particular reason. He says, so everybody will hear and fear. What's he trying to say? So people will learn, you do not do that. You do not do that. If you had, have had several children uh, in your house, I had four children. If my other children saw me whip one of the other ones for a certain behavior, don't you think they learned, I don't want that, so therefore I'm not going to partake in that behavior. Right? If we see other people suffer the consequences of something, we should learn from that. All right, he's saying as a Christian, if I see that an elder is publicly rebuked for open rebellion and unrepented sin, an elder is rebuked for that, I'm just a normal member. You know, if an elder would ha uh, have that done to him, well, surely it could be done to me, right? So it would make me think, hey, I, 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 I want to watch myself. I want to be on guard. I, I, I want to make sure that uh, that I don't do that. You see, the same was true in Deuteronomy chapter 19 when God said, hey, if somebody brings a false accusation, you punish them right in front of everybody. Why? So people learn, don't do that. Why was Ananias and Sapphira struck dead in the presence of the people? The Bible tells us so the people would hear and fear. So they would learn, you don't do that. You don't lie to God. Because if you do, there's consequences to those actions. So if we learn that there's consequences to an elder going astray, most definitely there's going to be consequences to me going astray. 
because the elder has a, uh, a position in the church that would be above me. He's my leader. He's my ruler. Church discipline is a public thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is commanded when you come together into one place. That's when that happens. It's a public thing and the purpose is so everybody will know about it and everybody will hear about it and fear uh, that happening to them. Verse 21, he says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. You know, Paul had just told Timothy a very, very hard thing. Would that be a hard thing for you to be given the responsibility if people are bringing accusations that you have to shut them down if they don't have enough evidence? That'd be hard. You know, you've got people coming to you, and usually if you're going to make an accusation, you're upset, you're emotional, all those things. And, and he says, Timothy, you've got a responsibility to shut them down. Well, then you give them the responsibility. If you've got an eldership that is sinful, Maybe one that gets out of line. Timothy, you've got to rebuke that person in front of everybody. Now, if you've been given those two commands, we'd be tempted to what? I don't know about that. That's pretty hard stuff. I mean, don't we today shun away from hard stuff? Let's be honest, church. We do, don't we? If it's hard, if it's, if it's uncomfortable, if it's something we don't like, we, we kind of try to shy away from it. I all knew that. No, Timothy was just like the rest of us. I mean, listen, none of us like controversy. None of us like hard things. So that's why verse 21 is here. He says, I charge you, Timothy. He says, I am telling you that this subject is of great importance. He says, I charge you in front of God and of Jesus. Why would he say that? He says, Timothy, I am making this charge before you, and you take this charge just as God Almighty and Jesus Christ is standing in front of you with their eyes gazing at you. That's pretty serious, isn't it? He says, I'm charging you just like they're right there with you and they're telling you, you've got to do this. He says, I'm also charging you in front of the elect angels. Who in the world are the elect angels? That's simply the angels, the good angels. You know, God created all of these angels. Some of them sinned. And they fail, and, and they're reserved. 1 Peter 2, 4, Jude, verse 6, for judgment. But there was a lot of angels, good angels, that were angels that did not sin. They are those ministering spirits in Hebrews 1, verse 14, that God has sent forth to help uh, do His work. He says, I'm charging you in the very presence of them too. That you've got to do this thing. He says, Timothy, you've got to observe this thing. You, you've got to keep this command. Timothy, you, you've got to not allow yourself to be manipulated by the schemes of brethren. Is it possible that people uh, tried to manipulate Timothy? Timothy was what people considered in that time, especially a younger man. He's in his 30s. And you think people tried to manipulate the situation? Do people still try to manipulate situations in the church today? Yes, you better believe they do. He says, Timothy, I charge you. You've got to do this. You've got to observe this. You've got to do it without prejudice. You know, the word prejudice means to judge before knowing the facts. You ever done that? You ever been prejudiced against someone? Every person in here better shake their head yes, because you have. You've made up your mind before you knew anything just because you thought that person would probably do that. 
you don't know any facts. You just, you just decide you make up your mind. And sometimes I've done that in my life, and I found out, man, was I wrong? I, had, I made a wrong call, you know. But you see, sometimes maybe, sometimes in the church, sometimes we just don't really get along, do we? Sometimes we just don't really like each other. Sometimes maybe there's some people in the church that maybe they're just their personalities clash, and and sometimes when that happens, and I'm not I'm not saying we all should just be hunky dory. I mean, listen, we've all got different personalities. Don't don't take me wrong. But sometimes when those personalities clash, sometimes we make bad judgment calls toward that person, don't we? Paul knew that, and he tells Timothy, you, you, you've got to do these things. You can't be prejudiced. You you, you can't you know maybe get upset at someone, and then somebody brings an accusation against that elder that maybe that upsets you, and you say, oh, well, here's an, I get to get him back. Can't do that. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way for any of us against anybody. We cannot be prejudiced people. Also, we cannot be partial people. The word partial in the original means to lean towards. You realize in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, Acts chapter 10, verse 34, God is not a respecter of person. God does not show partiality. And for you and I, that's next to impossible. Is it not? Next to impossible. Because we are partial to certain people. We're partial to our family. We're partial to a lot of things in our life. And, and God does not operate that way. And man, would it be awesome to be able to operate in a way that you're never partial to anybody and you'll always be fair and just and honest, but none of us can fully live up to that. But he's charging Timothy to do the best of his ability to not be partial. You see, it would be easy for Timothy, Timothy's a preacher, for maybe to somebody to bring an accusation against an elder. And it would be easy for Timothy to think, I like my elder and I got a good job and and I don't want to rock the boat. And, uh, you know, and he might push away a, a, an accusation that was true. Because ultimately he likes the person and he doesn't want to rough, you know, rock the boat, ruffle any feathers. He doesn't want to lose his job. He wants to keep getting paid. And you think that ever happens? You think there's ever been any preachers that had an eldership that would steer them maybe going a little too far left and... Because they didn't want to lose their paycheck, they just went right along. They showed partiality, ultimately. That's what they did. He said, Timothy, you can't do that. You cannot do that. Partiality will get us in trouble. And he says, right is right and wrong is wrong. And listen, I said this last week, it doesn't, or the week before, it doesn't matter if it's your family, if it's our spouse, if it's our kids, if it's... Our elder, if it's your preacher, me, Don, it doesn't matter. Right's right and wrong is wrong. And the Bible has to be the deciding factor. And he's telling Timothy that very thing. You, you can't allow this, Timothy. You've got to be above that. Man, I'm telling you guys, you know, this is some difficult stuff. It's difficult to deal with people without prejudice. It's deal with, difficult to deal with people without being partial. Especially when it comes to the people we really like. People were really close to. But he's telling him, he's charging him that he's got to observe this thing. Whether or not he likes it, it doesn't, really doesn't matter. All right? He says, verse 22, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. 
And I, I want us to think about this in two different ways. Two different ways. Laying hands on people, usually, in, in Paul's writing to Timothy, it's going to talk about the fact of appointing someone. Appointing someone to a position. So we're going to look at it from that standpoint. But also, sometimes we think about laying hands upon someone. It would be to, to maybe convict that person to, and under the immediate, uh, the verse before this, we're talking about accusations being brought forth and, and being careful and convicting someone. So we're going to look at it in two different ways. He says, don't lay hands hastily on any man. Number one, number one, if you do this, he says, you can share in their sins. What happens, uh, Timothy was given the task to appoint elderships, right? What happened if he did that too hastily? Right, you could make a mess, couldn't you? Get somebody in there that did not need to be in there. Okay, if, you, if Timothy appointed an elder that did not need to be an elder, could that cause all kind of problems in the church? Yeah. And in doing so, would he not be sharing in that sin? Yeah. If he chose to put somebody in that, that did not need to be there and they caused all these problems, ultimately... If he did not do his due diligence in appointing that person, then ultimately he's held responsible for part of that. What about us today? What about, let's just say, uh, they're going to appoint some new elders next year. I'm just hypothetically. And they get up here and they bring somebody's name before the congregation and they say, you've got two weeks, you know, if you've got something against this person, you write it down, you document it, sign your name, whatever, and you bring it for us, and, uh, and then this person's going to be appointed an elder if nobody brings anything. All right, let's just say you know some things. You know some things other people don't. And you say absolutely nothing. And then that elder is appointed. Six months later, this church is split. You share in that sin? Yeah. That's serious, isn't it? These are hard things. So, if we look at it under that standpoint, don't appoint someone to any position, elder, deacon, teacher, priest, well, I don't care what it is. Don't do that hastily. You make a good decision. Take your time. You be patient. You, you do your due diligence, all those things. Okay. Second, what about if you, if you are hastily in receiving an accusation? We said laying hands could be on the convicting side on maybe punishing somebody. What if you hastily do that? Maybe somebody comes to, to the eldership here and they say that I've done a horrible thing. And, you know, three days later they just fire me and I'm gone. And then they find out I had absolutely nothing to do with it. What happens? You say, well, you're just without a job, right? Well, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. But seriously, what happens? You got problems, don't you? Because, see, if they don't do their due diligence in checking out the accusations and making sure that it's true before they act upon it, then you, you've got issues on the other side of this thing. What he's saying is, is when you're making these serious decisions in life, don't do it in a hurry. There's been times throughout the years, I can remember years and years ago, and, and even sometimes today, Preachers get a little aggravated sometimes because elders don't move very fast at certain things. Because sometimes us preachers, we're just ready to go right now. 
And then we find out, boy, it's a good thing that they took their time and they thought that out because hasty decisions a lot of times are bad decisions, aren't they? When you guys make hasty decisions, well, look at Don's sermon. You ever regret it? Yeah. But if you really think it out and you weigh out all sides and you make the decision, can you come to live with the consequences more? Yeah. Yeah. And Paul's telling Timothy, do that very thing. Don't be hasty. He says, because if you're hasty and it's a mess, he says, you're going to share in the blame. You're going to have to deal with the consequences. And people are going to most definitely bring that to Timothy. He says, Timothy, he says, I want you to keep yourself pure. I want us to notice something. It was Timothy's responsibility to keep himself pure. And man, I think this world today, they need a good dose of that. Responsibility. Personal responsibility. Uh, for our own souls. I appreciate your attention.